Good morning. I'm really, I'm really blessed that um, God lets me serve amazing people. You guys are really amazing. I'm so thankful for you. So I have a question for you. What do you think is the most common Bible verse? John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, what are some other really popular, really common Bible verses? John 3.16 used to be. John 3.16 used to be, correct. Now, the most common Bible verse, especially among non-believers, is don't judge. Do not judge. And why do you think that is? Because we judge. (laughs) Right? People judge. It's in our nature. Not just Christians. However, I do have to say, unfortunately, Christians have the reputation for being what? That is the number one deterrent for why people say that they don't want to go to church. They say because Christians are so judgmental. Isn't that so sad? The God of love, the one who who came in grace and truth and wants to woo people to himself, those that are supposed to represent him best have the reputation for being judgmental. However, (laughs) wow, let's all judge him right now. However, the thing is, there is such a thing as correct judgment. And so today we're going to talk about what did Jesus say about judging? What kinds of judgments are there? Correct judgment versus the incorrect judgment. And we're going to talk about how we can be set free from a judgmental spirit. Because I think, I think it's human nature. What are the reasons that people judge? Yeah. Sometimes people think that they're better than others. What, what are some other reasons? I'm sorry? People are different than us. Yep. What else? People are insecure. Makes them feel better about themselves. What else? Anything else? How about misunderstanding? They just don't understand. Legitimately, they don't understand, and so they just judge them. Or another reason we're going to talk about a little later is maybe they don't have enough information. Maybe maybe their judgments are not based on truth, based on fact. So I would have to say that this particular verse, judge not, is probably the most quoted and the least observed of all the verses. So let me ask you this. Are you judgmental? Anybody? I think we all are to a certain extent. And so today, let's, let's read this together. Matthew chapter 7. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. Let's read it out loud together. Ready? Go. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck, guess I'm by myself here, (laughs) and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. 
First, get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls and turn and attack you. That seems really random. Jesus is talking about judgmentalism. All of a sudden he starts talking. In the NIV it says, don't give to dogs what is sacred or what is holy. So here, here he's talking about judging and then all of a sudden he's talking about dogs and pigs. It seems really random, doesn't it? Um, so there was a, a little boy one time and his, his dad was a pastor and every time when the, his dad would get up to preach, he would just lower his eyes and then he would look up and start preaching. And so his little five-year-old son, Tyler, said, Daddy, why do you always do that before you preach? And the dad said, well, I'm just asking that the Lord would give me a really good sermon. And little five-year-old Tyler says, then why doesn't he? (laughs) (laughs) So there was a man, he was uh, walking across a bridge, and he saw another man standing on a ledge about to jump off. The man ran over and said, stop, don't do it. Well, why shouldn't I, said the other man. There's so much to live for. Like what? Well, are you religious? He said, yes. And the man said, well, I am too. Are you Christian or are you Buddhist? He said, I'm Christian. The guy said, me too. Are you Catholic or Protestant? He said, I am Protestant. He goes, awesome, me too. Are you Episcopalian or Baptist? Guy said, I'm Baptist. Wow, me too. Are you Baptist Church of God or are you Reformed Baptist Church of God? Well, I'm Reformed Baptist Church of God. He goes, awesome, so am I. Are you Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation 1789, or Reformed Baptist Church of God, 1915? He said, Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation 1915. He goes, die, heretics, come, and he threw him off the bridge. (laughs) I know, that's so sick. (laughs) I read a quote online. It says, my therapist thinks I'm judgmental because she's such an idiot. There's so much about judgment. Man, I, I was overwhelmed. There is so much on the, on the internet and in all these books and different teachings about judgmentalism. And so uh, we, we want to really examine what is the heart of God about judgmentalism? What does Jesus really say about judging? So starting with verse 1, he says, first of all, do not judge and you will not be judged, for you will be treated, how? As you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. So let me ask you a really difficult question. Would you want to judge you? Would you want to judge you? The same standard you use it will be used to you. Now, the the idea that we can't ever judge is ridiculous when you think about it, because otherwise that would be to say, oh, well, there's a guy, he's out, he's a serial killer, but who am I to judge, right? I mean, there are certain things you have to make judgments. You have to make judgments about what is right and what is wrong. It's, I mean, it's just a part of life, but it says in in 1 Corinthians 2, it says that the person without the Spirit of God doesn't understand the ways of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. And he doesn't understand them because they're spiritually discerned. It says, but 
the person with the spirit of God makes judgments on all things, but is not subject to anyone else's judgment. So now how can Jesus say on the one hand, don't judge and you won't be judged? How can he say that? And then on the other hand, in a Bible, it says spiritual person can make judgments on all things. Maybe because there's a difference in the types of judgment. And that's what we're going to examine today. The kind of judgment Jesus is saying, don't judge with a critical attitude. That's essentially what he's saying. Don't judge as though you were better than and that person is lower than you. That's the type of judgment he's talking about. Because if he, being God, humbled himself and came to earth and, and washed the feet of his disciples, the most menial task, he's called us to be like that. And not to judge people thinking that we know more than them or we know better than them. We are called to do to others as we would have them do to us. So some people said to me after first service, they said, yeah, I was judging you the whole time you were talking. I was like, were you judging my judging of judging you? (laughs) Because really, it just can keep going. We can keep judging and judging others. But the thing is, Jesus is calling us to love and to serve and to do what is right according to that person. And honestly, you know the word prejudice means pre judge. It means to to judge something without having any of the information or with knowing everything, which is why it's so wrong, because you're just making this blanket judgment on a person or a race or a group of people that maybe you don't fully understand. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Don't do that. Don't just assume that you know what a person's heart is, because the Bible says you don't know what's going on in anyone else's heart. You really don't. And your judgment might be wrong. There's a story that I love about Chuck Swindoll. He's one of my favorite Bible teachers. And he talks about, he was teaching at this seminar one time. And a man came up to him and he said, I'm so excited to hear you preach. And Chuck Swindoll said, well, thank you. So the man sat down in the very front row and proceeded to fall asleep. And Chuck Swindoll's like, well... Maybe he had a long trip. I'll, I'll forgive that. Well, the next morning, the man was there again, sitting in the front row, fell asleep again. So Chuck Swindoll's getting a little bit annoyed at this point. He's like, wow, he slept through the last session last night. Now he's sleeping through the session. Third session rolls around. The man sitting in the front row slept through the whole thing. Swindoll is just annoyed at this time. He just started thinking, man... That's a perfectly good seat. Someone else could have sat in that seat. Here this guy is. He doesn't even care. He's just sleeping through my whole session. Right after that session, the man's wife came up to Swindoll and said, I want to apologize that my husband was sleeping, but he was just diagnosed with terminal cancer, and the medication that he's taking makes him sleepy. But his life dream has always been to come and hear you preach. So Chuck Swindoll was talking about how sometimes... We think we know something and we make a judgment about something and we really don't have all the information. And that's what Jesus is saying. Don't do that. You don't know what's going on in someone else's life, nor are you the one who's called to judge. The Lord is the judge and 
Fortunately, he is merciful and he's compassionate and he's loving and he knows everything. James 4.11 says, don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is a judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? There's a story in the book of John where there's a group of religious leaders, teachers of the law, and they bring out this woman who was caught in adultery. It says she was caught in the very act of adultery, which stirs up a lot of questions in my mind, like, how did they know that, and why were they in her house? Or, you know, what were they doing? Like, don't you kind of wonder? You know, Jesus doesn't give you all the details of this story, but you kind of have to wonder, how in the world? I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty blatant. They're going into somebody's bedroom and dragging her out of there. And, and plus, they didn't bring out the man either, which is also an interesting question. But they brought her out, and they said, Jesus... This woman was caught in adultery. The law of Moses says that we are supposed to stone her. What do you say? And in classic Jesus style, he just kept, he just got down, started writing on the ground. Nobody knows what he's writing. If they tell you they do, they don't, because this has been debated theologically for many years. But he was writing something in the ground. He just stooped down. And they kept badgering him. They kept saying, what do you think, Jesus? What do you think we should do? The law says we need to stone her. Should we stone her? What do you think? And Jesus said, well, whoever of you hasn't sinned, go ahead. You can throw the first stone. And it says that they just walked away one by one. From the oldest to the youngest, they just walked away. It says, and and Jesus said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? She said, no. And Jesus said, neither do I. Now go and sin no more. And isn't that just like the heart of the Lord? That when everyone else rejected her and everyone else walked away, He remained with her. See, the judgment that Jesus is coming against is the kind that says, I'm judging you. No, leave. Get away from me. That's the exact opposite of the spirit of our God. Our God is one who remains with us even in the midst of our garbage and our junk. And he says, I do not condemn you. I love you. No, go and sin no more. Jesus is full of grace and he's full of truth. And that's the spirit that he's asking us to have toward others who are in sin. It says to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable in others because Christ has forgiven the inexcusable in us. Says C.S. Lewis. Say that again. To be a Christian, to be a disciple of Jesus, means to forgive the inexcusable in others because Christ has forgiven the inexcusable in us. 
Romans 14, who are you to condemn someone else's servant? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. I personally think every Christian should be required to know Romans chapter 14. I think it would eliminate so much of our judgment because it says that these things are to be kept between us and God. That who are you to judge someone else's servant? That to each one's own master he will stand or fall and God is able to make him stand. That's the whole point of love is that we trust that God is going to work these things out in that person. And so I want to ask you again, would you want to judge you? With the measure that you use, would you want to judge who you are? And I want to ask also, would you want to have someone that you love and that you know loves you come to you and bring to you something that that you might not see something in yourself, a correct judgment, the kind of judgment that will bring you life and health. For example, if your fly is open, do you want someone to come to you and go, um, your fly is open? Or do you want them to go, well, who am I to judge? I mean, maybe he wants his fly open. I don't know. I don't know the whole story. That's ridiculous, right? How many of you have heard the expression bat in the cave referring to something in your nose? Yeah, I have a friend. She's my, she's my monitor. She, she'll go bat in the cave and I'm like, oh, okay. And then I'll go grab a tissue. And... But would you want someone to tell you or do you just want to walk around with that thing? Do you want to have a friend like that or be that kind of friend that will tell people the truth? Or what about if you're miscommunicating your heart? What if you're coming across a certain way and, and a dear friend or someone that, that loves you and is for you is willing to come to you and say, I think you're miscommunicating who you really are. Because when you said such and such, it sounded like what you were saying was something else other than who you really are. And that's what Jesus is saying when he tells us to get the log out. He says, why worry about that speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Can you think of saying to your friend, hey, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. Now, wait a minute. Isn't Jesus being kind of judgmental here? <laughs> He's calling them names now. It's like, you hypocrite. But all the judgments of the Lord are loving and faithful, right? So when he's calling them hypocrites, he's telling the truth, isn't he? But again, he's making a judgment, isn't he? You're like, is Jesus talking out of both sides of his mouth or are there different kinds of judgment? There are different kinds of judgment because he's saying, you hypocrite, first get the log out of your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So the reality of it is there is a speck in your friend's eye. It's not to deny that there's a, a speck in their eye. It's saying, yes, there is. And how many of you know those times where um, someone has judged you for something that you didn't do or judged you for a certain way that you, that you haven't acted or that you haven't been? 
That stings, doesn't it? But what Jesus is talking about is the kind of judgment that says, I love you so much that I'm willing to risk our friendship or our relationship in order to bring the truth to you. But to bring it with a spirit of humility and a spirit of love. Because everybody has sinned. Everybody has sinned. Philip Yancey says there are two types of people. There are sinners who know it and admit it, and there are sinners who don't. Say that again. Sinners who know it and admit it, and sinners who don't. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But typically, when we are judging someone most harshly, it's because it's a reflection of something in us. Don't you know that? For example, let's say you you decide after your third ticket, I'm going to start to obey the traffic laws. And then all of a sudden, people that are whizzing past you, you're going the speed limit, and people are whizzing past you. Don't you just get like judgmental? Like, these guys are all speeding. Or those guys are, they're not really stopping at the stoplights or, or whatever. When you decide to change, then we, then it becomes an issue of everybody else is wrong. Isn't that true? Are we not like that? Is that not our nature? Or is it just me? It's just me. And I used to say, uh, like, former smokers are the worst. When I quit smoking, I was the most judgmental against smokers. Because, I don't know, it's just so near and dear to my heart that I just recognized, you know, just my own judgmentalism, I guess, because it says in Romans 2, it says, you may think you can condemn people, but you're just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and they should be punished, you're condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things. We know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Isn't it true? Isn't it, especially for those of you who used to know a lot about you, you thought you knew a lot about yourself and you thought you understand, understood who you were and then you had children and there's like these little mini versions of you running around and you're like, oh my gosh, what have I done? I've created a monster. Because they're just like you, right? The things about yourself that you can't stand suddenly are being manifested in another human being. Is that right? I mean, it's, kids don't lie, right? The kids don't lie. They tell it like it is. It says in Romans, it, or excuse me, it also says in Romans 2, it says, since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness kindness is intended to turn you from your sin. See, that's the method that God uses to turn us from our sin. Not to put us down or manipulate us or condemn us. He uses his kindness. And that is what turns us toward him. And that is what turns a non-believer to Jesus. Not if we stand there and tell them all the things that they're doing wrong. And when Jesus says, says, you hypocrite, hypocrite. Notice it's got crit in it, critical. 
hypocrites were back in those days the actors and they would have the mask on. We talked about this a few weeks back. What, what a hypocrite is, is someone who acts like they're one way when they're really another way. Anybody ever known a hypocrite? Basically what Jesus is saying is they're being phony. They're acting one way, but they really are living another way. Uh, there's, there's a really gross sin called self-righteousness. What self-righteousness says is that I know best, that I know better than others. And self-righteousness puts itself up here and puts others down here. And it can manifest itself in a lot of different ways, but ultimately, it's, it's all the opposite of the spirit of the Lord whose kindness leads us to repentance. And there was a, a story of one time when I was in college, uh, I was at a Bible study. I was a, I was a brand new Christian, and I apparently wore a pair of shorts that were too short. And so much so that a man in the Bible study got up and walked out because he was so offended that I would wear those short shorts to the Bible study. And rather than having, you know, talking to another woman and having her come to me and say, you know, maybe you should think about wearing jeans or something else, he got up and walked out. And it broke my heart. Because my heart was not to, to do anything that would cause anybody to stumble or that would cause anyone to be uncomfortable. And I was so, I was so brokenhearted about that until I found out that same guy was molesting his children. And isn't that, isn't that just, and now I'm judging him, isn't that the epitome of a hypocrite? He was acting like he was so holy and so religious. And yet, his life was completely different than he wanted everybody to believe. Typically, what we'll do is we'll excuse ourselves and we'll accuse others. So the two types of, of judgment are there's critical judgment, which is judgmentalism, which is damaging and destructive and has no value. And then there's constructive judgment, which is rooted in love and rooted for the benefit of the other person. And the correct judging doesn't diss people. It doesn't just say, oh, you know, you're doing it wrong, and then just turn away from them. What it says is, I want to help you become everything God has created you to be. It doesn't say they don't have a speck. It says, you do have a little bit of a speck. Let me help you get that out. Actually, the, the, the King James uses the word moat, which is a little tiny casing on, on the shell when they would you know, take the grains and little pieces would, of dust would fly in their eyes. And it's Daniel Brown, he's my pastor, and he says it's a lot easier to point out someone's sin than it is to help them out of it. It's a lot easier to point out someone else's sin than it is to help them out of it. It's much more difficult to be willing to, to sacrifice on behalf of a friend or family member or loved one. It is a very other-centered thing to go to that person and to say, let me help you with that. But the precursor to that, like Jesus says, is get that log out of your own eye. 
Humble yourself and, and ask God to examine you. There's a prayer in Psalm 139. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and test my anxious thoughts and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a good prayer to pray. Search me, God. If, if there's anything in me that is, that is grievous to you, if there's anything in me that hurts the heart of God, God, search me, show me. That's a really good prayer, a really healthy prayer to pray because then God is faithful and if there is something, he will show you. And then that's when your heart will be right. That's when you can go to another person and say, let me help you. Let me help you get that speck. And if you think about it, have you ever had contacts or you've had something in your eye? Think about how painful that is. Even an eyelash. And you say to somebody, hey, can you help me get this out? I mean, the person can't stand across the room and go, oh, okay. They have to come right up to you. Like this close to your face and look in your eye. That's why this analogy is so perfect. Because you have to come close to that person. You can't stand off and judge them. You have to come close to them. And that's the kind of judgment Jesus is saying that you get the log out of your own eye and then you go close to that person. And just like Jesus was there with that adulterous woman, that you're there for that person and you're willing to sacrifice for them. You're willing to help them and willing to walk with them. And I want you to notice something here. It says this particular passage talks about then you can go to your friend. The actual Greek word is adelphos, which means a fellow believer. So this is talking about people who claim to be Christians and coming to those people to help them out. Not going to someone else and telling them what you saw when you judged. Say it again. If you gossip about a person... When God shows you something about that person, the only reason God is showing you that is so that you can pray for them and be open to going to them. If God shows you something about someone, it's not so you can go tell someone else. It's not about gossiping. And unfortunately, when we do gossip and we tell someone else, it really alleviates that pressure that we have, that the Holy Spirit is driving us to go to that person, to get close to them, and to help them get that speck out of their eye. That's why gossip is so insidious. It's so, it so breaks the heart of God. Because if the Holy Spirit is showing you something, he's saying, go to your brother, go to that other believer and help them out. E.M. Bounds says, never talk to a person about God without talking to God about that person. And if we really, really care about each other, we're going to be willing to put it, to risk it. And to put our relationship on the line. How many of you have ever gone to someone and, and confronted them and, and helped them to get that speck out of their eye? Anybody? How how were you received? Almost almost every time. In a good way. In a good way. If that person knows that you're coming to them because you love them, 
almost always that person will thank you and they will be grateful for that. Now, Jesus goes on and he starts talking about don't give to dogs what is sacred and don't throw out your pearls to, to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, this seems super random. It doesn't really make any sense. Why would Jesus go from talking about getting the speck out of your brother's eye and about judgment? Now he's talking about pigs and dogs. Like he's judging people now. Now he's calling people dogs and pigs. But what he's talking about is in, in those days, dogs and pigs were considered unclean. It's not dogs like the kind, like, like a lot of y'all sleep with your dogs. That's not the kind of dog it's talking about here. It's talking about like these mangy scavengers that ran around. If you've ever been to a, a third world country or somewhere else, you can see the dogs aren't like the little puppy pet dogs that we have. They're gross. And in those days, the dogs, for the most part, were gross, and pigs were clearly gross. And that's why he's comparing it to that. He's saying, don't, don't give to dogs what is sacred. What he's saying is, we are not supposed to treat the out, those outside the church this way. We are not called to judge those outside the church. We are not called to judge people with whom we disagree you know, so often I think as believers, we just get it so backwards. You know, Jesus used the analogy of fishing. I will make you fishers of men. You have to catch the fish before you can clean them. But I think as Christians, a lot of times we try to clean the fish before we even catch them. It's like, oh no, you have sin in your life. And you know, we're running around trying to chase these fish. We need to bring them into the fold and love them and be kind and compassionate and all of the things that Jesus is calling us to rather than standing afar off and judging them for their lifestyle or for their political views or for their sexual preferences. We are not, we are not called to judge those outside the church. says in 1 Corinthians 5, isn't it my responsibility to judge outsiders? Or it isn't, I'm sorry, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders. This is talking about non-believers, people who are not Adelphos, people that are not Christians. It says it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. And again, this isn't that judgment that's that I'm just going to judge you and walk away. This is the judgment that leads us to a loving act, to go to that person and tell them, but not to go to people who don't know the Lord. It's, you know, the man without the Spirit of God does not understand the ways of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they're spiritually discerned. Right? Right? So we, we go to people and we want to try to tell them how sinful they are. We're not supposed to do that. That's not our job. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. It says God will judge those on the outside. Who will judge those? God will judge those on the outside. But as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. Sounds a little judgmental, doesn't that? Doesn't that sound judgmental? The story that's happening here, though, 
is really, it's pretty taboo. This guy is living with his stepmother. Yeah. So he's sleeping with his, his dad's wife. That's disturbing. I don't care who you are. And they just were taking him in. They were just welcoming him to the church. You know, it's the big, you know, proverbial elephant in the living room. No one was saying anything to this guy. They're like, oh, aren't we so loving? Aren't we so gracious? No, you should be loving enough to go to that guy, to get close enough to that guy to say, I love you so much and what you're doing is hurting you. It's hurting her. It's hurting the church. It's hurting everyone. But are we willing to do that? It's so much easier to stand afar off and judge people and assume that we have some kind of insight and to be all self-righteous. But it says in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 4, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business, working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. The peop- then the people who are not believers will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. I have a sweet, sweet barista that I absolutely adore. And every time I see her, it was like I walked in yesterday and it was like our eyes locked. It was like I said, there should be music playing because we just, oh, we just love each other so much. And I've shared Christ with her. I've shared the gospel with her. And I've told her, you know, that she can be forgiven And I've invited her to come to church. And she told me, I just, I have so many things in my life that I have to get right first. Now, if the guy that we serve is full of grace and truth, shouldn't we, above all people, be the most accepting then why is it that Christians, believers, brothers and sisters, we have the reputation for being hypocrites? We have the reputation for being critical. The number one reason most people won't come to church is because they say that they don't want to be judged and Christians are judgmental. And we are. But do you know why we are? Because we're human. See, this is the human condition. This is the human condition apart from the spirit of the living God. And there have been so many Christians who have given Jesus a bad reputation because this is not the spirit of Jesus. So can we commit together that we're not going to be judgmental, that we're not going to be hypocrites, that we're going to work on getting the log out of our own eye, but then we are going to love our brothers and sisters enough to go close to them and help them get the speck out of their own eye. You know, as we said, the first, the first most popular verse used to be John 3.16, because of sports, of course. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. But everybody forgets the next part, which is so important. John 3.17. If I was a pro football player, I'd put John (laughs) 3.17. Because this would eliminate so many misconceptions about God. What does John 3.17 say? 
It says, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Yeah, that's why he came. Jesus didn't just come to throw lightning bolts at people and hurt people and judge people and condemn people. Jesus came to what? Save the world. And that word save, it's not just talking about saving you from eternal damnation, which hallelujah it is. But it's talking about saving you from things that are destructive, saving you from yourself, saving you from your past, saving you from your bondage and the things that control you. That's why he came. He didn't come to just point it out. He came to stoop down and help us take out that speck in our eyes. Can we be like that? Can we be like him? Apart from his spirit, we can't. But that's why we need to be filled with his Holy Spirit to be made more and more like him. Can you stand? Let's do some business with the Lord. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I'm so grateful that you don't judge us the way we judge others. I'm so grateful, Lord, that you are full of grace and truth. Lord, I'm so grateful that you are gracious and compassionate and you are slow to anger and rich in mercy. God, I thank you that you love us enough to not just judge us, Lord, but to show us how we can be made more and more like you, how we can be set free, because it is for freedom that you've set us free, that we no longer have to be bound, but we can be free. Lord, in this morning, we just humble ourselves. Oh, God, we've been judgmental. Lord, forgive us. We've been critical of others. We've had a critical attitude. Lord, forgive us. Set us free, Lord. Help us, God, to see people the way you see them. Help us to see them through your eyes of love. Can you just slip up your hand if you have ever been judgmental or critical or a hypocrite? Lord, we just lift our hands to you, God, as a sign, Lord, that we recognize that log in our eye. Lord, we recognize, Lord, that we have judged others. We've accused others and excused ourselves. Lord, forgive us. God, forgive us. Help us, Lord, to be more like you. Help us to see people through your eyes. Help us to see that people are so precious to you, Lord. Deliver us from our judgments, God, from our prejudices, Lord from our misunderstandings, God. Show us who you are, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And now if you are a person and you have never come to know the Lord, you have never been born again, you've, you've felt judged, but you've never really felt forgiven, you've never been forgiven, Jesus Christ went to the cross for you. 
And he went to the cross thinking of you and thinking of all of your sin. And he said that he wanted to pay the penalty so that you could be forever united with your creator. If you have never done that, if you've never been born again, can you just slip up your hand? Yes. How many of you want to be as gracious and compassionate as the Lord? Let's just pray this this prayer together. Lord, you can repeat it after me. Lord, I've been judgmental. I've been critical. I've been harsh. I've been a hypocrite. Forgive me, Lord. I ask you to set me free. Change my view of people. Let me see people as precious. Let me see people as important. Let me extend grace to them. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I love you, Lord. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen.